This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries here in Bentonville, Arkansas. I've been enjoying interviewing some of our champions uh, from around the country, but uh, I've got uh, our founder, Rocky Fleming, with me today. So welcome back, Rocky. You're finally going to the second team, huh? That's right. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> ran out of everyone else. and uh, <laughs> No, uh, you were doing some fanning the flame, and mm-hmm. I was on vacation, so we've had a lot of different things going yeah, on. I'm but, exhausting uh, the flame right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you do it. You burn yourself out a little, a little things, bit. But, yeah, yeah but, but it's all good. Uh, had great trips. And great reports, so uh, you can you can read about his uh, his fan the flame tour on our. He has a blog going uh, on our website influencers.org. If you go to our blog, you'll see Rocky's fan the flame blog, and he's been keeping track of all the people he's been visiting, all that. So I always say this in, uh, as a humble request, yeah, because the fan the flame is in danger mm. because Sally, my wife, who is my partner in this, is going through terrible uh, back pain mm. uh, and has already had a fusion two and a half years ago and has had an ablation since then, has a microsurgery since then, and shots since then, and they're not helped. And appears that, uh, and we're gonna be knowing this in the next week or two, appears that she might be headed towards surgery again. And I'm and I'm not so sure that the RV might not be aggravating it, and that, that might play into it. So mm. we, uh, we hold everything with a loose hand, you know, even though we think this is what God wants, and I do believe it was what God wanted, but I, but I also accept the fact that He closes the door; He's opening one somewhere else. So yeah, yeah, we've had a good time with it. Well, can I pray for Sally real quick while Please, we? Please, yes. Um, just all you thousands of people that that listen to our podcast, join with me as we just pray. Lord Jesus, we just give you our dear Sally, the first lady of this ministry. We love Sally. She's such a sweetheart. She's such a prayer warrior. She's such a supporter of Rocky, uh, always been there for him, just like my w- wife is re- there for me, Missy. And But, Lord, we give you Sally. We don't want her to be in pain, Lord. We want we just want you to alleviate her pain and touch her back and figure help him figure out what's going on, Lord. We know you could heal her in an instant if that was your will, and so we ask you to do that. Um, you may choose to use doctors, um, but we, uh, we just pray most of all that uh, you bring peace over her and over Rocky and wisdom over... Uh, whether or not they're supposed to keep going on this Fan the Flame tour. But, uh, Lord, it's a complicated, difficult situation. But we give you Sally right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You bet. You bet. So keep praying for that so we can see what uh, God's will is on, on Rocky getting out on the road. Uh, but he's, I know you've been enjoying it, though. You know, oh, yeah. The people, that's the thing. It's been so amazing. Yeah, just seeing the fruit of, of mm-hmm. this from where it started here and how it's just continues to spread outwards. So. You and I head to Wichita next week. That's right. And uh, we'll continue that together. Sally won't be with me, nor Missy with you, but nope. you and I will be heading out there and looking forward to it. That still counts as a fan of the flame. Yeah, sure, <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is definitely that. Yeah, so we'll be out there fanning the flame of Mike Hearn and the great uh-huh. people in Wichita, Kansas. Right. So looking forward to that. Well, uh, today's podcast was kind of inspired. You know, we never know for sure where the inspiration is going to come from, <laughs> what we're supposed to talk about, but God makes it clear. And uh, today I, I was reading a quote that I had read probably 20 years ago, and it was on the door of a pastor's office that I, that I knew. And, uh, and I, it stopped me in my tracks a little bit. 
And uh, I'm going to read this to you, and, and, and I think this will spark a little bit of a conversation that you and I have been sure. having. But uh, Fred Beekner is a he's an author, great Christian author. He's written some novels, and he's written some different spiritual devotions and all that. It's spelled B-U-E-C-H-N-E-R, but I think it's Beekner. But he's a great thinker and a great spiritual man. And he wrote this, The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Hmm. One more time. The place God calls you to is a place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. It's beautiful. I thought it was too. It's so true. Yeah, what do you think about that? I just think it's so true. I do, I do. And I, I see it experientially, and I know you do too, that God called us. Uh, and, and I do think he singled us out. He called us for, to the ministry of influencers, even though it was not yet formed. It, he formed it as I came and then you came. Uh, and it was apparent that it was meeting a need. And I will tell you, the last 22 years that I've been involved with it, there was nothing with me, athletically, business-wise, or anything that matched the joy and the fulfillment that I've received in my calling. Mm-hmm. of being a part of this ministry that is meeting a need. And that's how I connect with it and understand it. Well, and I just think every person is always kind of searching for their purpose or find what is, why, why, why do I exist? Yeah. And, and a lot of people who don't know the Lord are searching for it in, in significance and in power and wealth or, or adventure or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone's got an identity that they're writing, right? Mm-hmm. But, but what Fred is saying is no God is call, he has a calling for every person if you're willing to accept it. Yeah. That 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 is a special place that is going to bring you great joy, but it's also going to be outside of yourself. It's going to help other people. It's going to meet a need that's out in the world. Yeah. And uh, I don't know that just really. And I think if you are a Christian, you start thinking less of yourself and more of how Lord, what do you want from me? How can I? Mm-hmm. Can I help? But it seems like it's quite a process to get us to that. Place. Well, you know, Solomon writes in, in his works, Ecclesiastes, and about all the things he did. And and, and, uh, and in the uh, Old Testament, they talk about his great feats and great building and great this and great that. And he himself said that, you know, use the word vanities, vanities, vanities. It's all vanities. Yeah. And in, in, in essence, he said that I, anything I wanted to do, I did. Yeah. Anything that I tried to do, I did. And at the end of the day, it's all vanity. Mm. So what does that mean, all vanity? I mean, it's all about me. Mm. And it's also never-ending. Because that's a cup can't get filled. Just can't. It's always about me. I can't, I can't do the—I have to do something— once done, I have to do something else. Once done, I have to do something else. Now, I did not live to that degree of Solomon. Didn't have the opportunity, I guess you'd say, or the resources. But I tried. Hmm. And I tried to tried to do everything that I was could do. And I probably am the most experienced man about a lot of things that I've attempted. And it was all vanities. You know, just never never did it for me. I think Paul, uh, I think uh, Tom Sia said that about his building career with Walmart, Sam's, and all the, the things he's built through the years. He says, you know, I've been a successful businessman, but it's nothing compared 
to what I've had since I've been in influencers and helping make disciples. Mm. And he's an 82-year-old guy and still going strong. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I think there are a lot of people that we've seen that are successful uh, business people, ministry people, professional people that have said that, you know, I pretty well got all everything I wanted, but when I got it, it just wasn't satisfying. It never lasts, does it? Yeah. I mean, people think they want a new car and they obsess about it and then they go buy it and then within about six months, it's, or even less than that, yeah. it's just a car. It's just a motor transformation. I, I, I really believe it's about the hunt. I don't believe it's about having it. I think about it's the pursuit of it. And yeah. I think that's the bait that Satan puts before us is, is the pursuit of something, thinking that if only I have that, then I will be happier. Mm -hmm. I will be more significant. I will be more purposeful. And it's just you know, baiting us along all the time, thinking that the next thing out there is what we're looking for is the silver bullet. Mm -hmm. but, when, but when we get it, we find it's, it's a counterfeit. Mm -hmm. But there is a real thing out there. Mm -hmm. There is something that we can pursue. And once we get it, we say, how did I ever live without it? And it, and it will change our life and it'll keep taking us deeper. And that's that, uh, it's that uh, connection with Christ and the purpose that he gives out of that connection. Yeah. It's called the fruit of abiding, by the way. <laughs> well, and I think, it, yeah, I do. I think it's all tied together into this calling. Mm -hmm. You know, he, 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 it starts with him. It's got to start with him. Yeah. And then he starts showing us what the work that needs to be done. And then he empowers us to go and find our calling or, yeah. or to go live it out the way he made us to live it out. Yeah. You know? You know, there are a lot of trite phrases out there. People make it trite when they're deep phrases. You know, I've often heard people say, well, I found Jesus. And then the skeptic and the atheist say, I didn't know he was lost. Yeah, right. And you know how trite they made it sound when somebody said that they discovered Jesus. They found out what was missing in their life. Yeah. And yet, you know, they try to deride it, demean it and everything else. And maybe the call is like that. Maybe people don't understand the call. Mm -hmm. Maybe they would ask, well, what does that mean, the call? So when we talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think that's it's an important thing. Because yeah, because when people hear my calling, I think a lot of people think of a calling to full-time mm -hmm. professional ministry, right? That's oh, yeah. and, and that's only for just a, a small, tiny few, right? Yeah. Percentage, whatever. Um, but what do you think it is? Well, I mean, when they say they're called to ministry, uh, aren't we all called to ministry <laughs> as <laughs> right. believers? I mean, aren't we all instructed to make disciples? And is that not the main thing ministry does? Is that what a church is all about? Yeah. Is making disciples? And, uh, and you know, church is more than the four walls. you got the big C. The body of Christ is the church. And... And we make disciples in and out of the church. Mm -hmm. In fact, disciple makers make disciples in the marketplace, in the schools, in the neighborhoods, on the golf course. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be structured in a certain organized way because the big C is disorganized from the standpoint of being people led. It's organized and led by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So yeah, I think uh, a believer is called a ministry every one of us. But our ministry is based on our giftedness. 
Yeah, that's where I was going to go next. I was thinking that this is what we do in the journey, obviously, is we help people understand the spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. Of course, you, you can't understand the spiritual gifts unless you understand abiding. Yeah. And you can't understand abiding unless you understand the nature of God, mm-hmm. right? It's activation. So you got to get it in the right order, mm-hmm. you know, but yet, um, but there is such a thing as spiritual gifts and, and gift uniqueness, you know, that each of us has, you know, yeah. and, and, and even more than just spiritual gifts, there's personality, there's experience, there's, there's other parts of things that we're passionate about yeah. that other people aren't passionate about. Rick Warren calls it shape. Yeah. You know, your, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality and your experience. And yeah. I, I've always liked that because I think yeah. they all tie together. It is good. It is good. And I, and I do think God uses the entirety of our life, which is, has to do with not only our current situation, but our experiences, mm-hmm. our past, even the bad stuff in our life, he can turn for good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, there's this thing about being called, and there's this thing about being about activated. And, you know, it happened to me that I was called at 35 years old. I was activated at 55 years old. Mm. And uh, now people say, well, how can that be? Well, you know, there's there's a point, I think, that some people find that they're called to a deeper fellowship with Christ. But at the same time, they they think they're called to ministry. And I thought that I was called to ministry. But but I see that the ministry was a calling out of the deep fellowship that I was having. Mm. I call that fruit. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with also our spiritual gifts that you talked about. And though we might have spiritual gifts, they're not going to be enabled until we begin to abide with Christ and let him produce the fruit in our life that activates those spiritual gifts. Right, right. Which is, yeah, what we show in the journey in a way that really blows people away, I think. Most people don't understand all that. Um, I want to read a quick verse that just Paul's talking to Timothy, one of his young young mentees. Um, He's writing him a letter, and he he says, "I'm, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, talking to Timothy, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. And he goes, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Yeah. And this idea of, the, of the, the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, fanning into the flame, the calling, right. the gift of God. Um, right. You know, and you said this earlier when we were talking about calling and you said, you know, really God's not calling people to ministry. No, calling them to himself. Calling people to himself. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Yeah. I think that's a good way to think about well, it. Well, this is a John 15 passage. I mean, it's all about the abiding. Yeah, I mean, we have to get from our minds this whole concept of what we do for God rather than what he does through us. Yeah. And because we're always going to limit his ability to work enough, it's about us. Mm. And and I can tell in my own life what the call was all about. God gave me a, a, a vague vision of what I would be doing, and Chambers speaks of that that sometimes God gives us a, a very, very dim vision of the man we will one day be mm-hmm. or maybe the thing that we will one day do, right? But then he, he, he gives us that vague vision where we're not ready for that. And, and Chambers said he takes us down from the mountain into the desert and he banters us around mm. and he shapes us to be the man of the vision. And then he takes us to the vision. Mm. And I, and I saw that. I just seen the truth of that at 35 years old. I, had, I was getting a, just a little bit of a vague vision 
what it looked like. Uh, and I saw writing books, and I'd never written a book. All I did was do journals. Hmm. I saw vaguely, you know, being uh, leading a ministry. I didn't know what it was. Hmm. I didn't have much concept of anything. It's just that, and I think that that's uh, the beauty of it is I didn't have a preconceived idea of what it, what it would be like. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of vaguely shown to me. And interesting, at 40 years old, I tried to activate myself, mm. tried to make it happen, and left my business, went into full-time ministry for a year only to find that it was not the place God had called me to. Mm. So I was advised to go back home and let God come and get me. And uh, and I saw that process develop. And and when he came and got me, then then the serious breaking and remaking and making me into the man of vision occurred over the next 20 years, roughly. And then then there was a point that 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 I saw what was remaining was my consecration to God. Mm. And that is saying, I don't know what I am, I don't know what I have, but all I am, all I have, all I will ever have, I lay at your feet, I'm yours, take me. And I think he waits on that. I think he quips us, he gives us vision, he quips us, he he breaks us, he, 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 the fruit begins to rise up in our, in our life as a result of the abiding and breaking, and then when we consecrate to him, it's like the Romans 12, one passage, present your bodies as a living, holy sacrifice. I think it's when we do that to him, then it's like, okay, now we're ready. Yeah. And that's the crossover point. That's when the activation of the call happens, mm-hmm. is when we've surrendered. And it's when you don't even know if it's gonna happen, right? You don't even yeah. know if it's even still real, right? But you just know, Lord, whatever, I trust you, whatever it is. Yeah, you know, in the nomenclature, you hear often hear, I surrendered to the call of Jesus. Right. Yeah. right. Uh, I don't like that. <laughs> I think I surrender to Jesus. Yeah. Not the call. I surrender to Jesus. Right. And I think that from that surrender, then we're dispatched. I think there, I think there is a beckoning call by the Holy Spirit. To us, there's something beating in us, Brian, that says, "I want more," mm-hmm. and we try to fill that with, you know, the counterfeits. Yeah, but that's it. what's going on in our life. We want more, and we'll always feel uh, feel empty as long as it's about the counterfeits rather than what we're called to. Mm-hmm. And we're called to Him, and our and our, we're not called to ministry. We're called to Him, and out of that comes. The ministry that he, that we are equipped for, and that now we're activated to. So you think some people maybe are focused too much on what they're called to, and maybe they're on the wrong seat on the bus, if you will, you know, and, th- and that's why some people are disillusioned and grumpy and not joyful, as Fred Beekner was talking yeah. about. They they they're trying to serve the Lord, but they feel like it's a burden. You know, every day's a burden. You know, there are a multitude of reasons why people. Uh, would go into ministry, professional ministry. And and some of it is they have a passionate love for, for Jesus and they and they want to be developed as a pastor. They want to be able to uh, encourage people. They want to build his church and it's a pure motive, pure, pure reasons. 
And then there's some that, you know, do it because maybe they perceive it to be a, a good way to make a living. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very hard. It's not necessarily <laughs> a good way to make a living. Uh, but the point being is that there are a multitude of reasons, but I think the purest of reasons has nothing to do with the profession. Yeah. It has to do with the relationship. Yeah. And what I have seen with, with, with pastors who are, are best are the ones who are still about their relationship with Jesus and they just happen to be a pastor of a church. Yeah. I feel like that way with me. I, I've said this all along about how I see myself in this role in influencers. And that is, I, I just try to walk with Jesus. It's always been that way. It's the way it is today. Well, and we, we have very few paid staff, you know, as far as the, the ministers in our, yeah. in our ministry. Um, but every single one of them was doing it for free. Yeah. Before, and would and what preferred it that way yeah before they ever got a paycheck yeah, one of those, uh, for years yeah you know? we're, it's not a it's not a pay for play with us <laughs> now when there are people that way that i think it's been revealed that they're not our culture is not good for them right they have yeah. a if they just culture. want a job or if they're just yeah. looking for yeah that's it doesn't fit very well does it yeah. no but but I, but here's the thing about it. i want to be very careful not to try to say well this is the way and they're, they're wrong and we're right and all that it's not the way it is. We're all trying to figure it out right. as we go. Right. And, uh, you know, I've got some pastors in my family, my son and son-in-law. And I know they're just, they're, 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 they have a hard job to do. And I know that they are giving themselves sacrificially and, and their wives are too. Mm. And, and so I think they show me that there are a lot of people out there like him. And, and so therefore it makes me very tender to pastors. But but I do believe this, Brian. In Revelations, uh, the Lord is talking to one of the churches, and He says that I have this against you, that you have forgotten your first love. Yeah. And I feel like that that's what I've seen with many burned out pastors hmm. who are discouraged and who have have lost that uh, reason for being there. They've lost their first love. Hmm. And I would say if they want to rekindle their their ministry and they want to rekindle the fire in their church, they got to rekindle their, their first love. Mm. And the first love, we tend toward thinking it's my love for Jesus. That's not the first love. First love is his love for me. Yeah. And it's that it's that recognition of his love and the kind of what the way he loves us. It drives into us a spirit of thankfulness and, and a desire to help other people find this mm. same love. And that's the great motivation for us as pastors, as ministers, Yeah, responding to the call. Yeah, yeah. So back to uh, Fred Beekner's quote, do you think that, you know, when he's talking about a place where our something that brings us gladness but is also meeting the world, what do you make of it? Do you think that's, you think it is the, the place of abiding. It's that place of abiding where you understand who you are, your identity, you understand your giftedness, and you're activated to go and serve a certain way. Well, you know what I think of when I when I hear that quote, I think about Ruth. Yeah. And I think it was it was it Ruth? Uh, I think it was Ruth, where she was told that 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 you have been raised up for a time such as Esther. This. Oh, Esther. Esther. Yeah. 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 yeah, Esther that Esther, you've been raised up for such a time as this. Yeah, right. And, and it ultimately led to the, you know, her people being 
protected and saved. And I feel like the body of Christ is being raised up for a time such as this to answer that question. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that there are individuals in, in the body of Christ that are raised up for a certain time as this. And, and I do believe that God is raising up people, laborers, to enter into the situation as we have it right now in this world. Mm -hmm. That we are uh, des desperately needed because we are guides to the answer, which is Christ. Mm -hmm. So I think Fred was right on there. I think the call was, he's saying the call is given to those who God has taken to those places that are in great need. Yeah, I, I, you know, uh, you and I both have seen the movie The Sound of Freedom, mm -hmm. and a very well done, powerful movie. But, but so sad this this problem that really exists in America, the sex trafficking and all that. And and you could come away looking at the statistics of the billion billions of dollars being spent in sex slaves and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. how do you solve that? You know, and you feel burdened. I mean, talk about a need in the world. But if if we get if we just keep doing what we're doing helping people get in touch with him, he'll show them their assignment in the world of, of where where they fit into. Yeah. Because I think God cares about all that stuff and he wants to go help stop yeah. the evil in the world. You know the story about the boy and the starfish? Uh, remind me. Well, there's this little boy on the beach and there were a lot of starfish that were washed up. And uh, so he was throwing them back into the water. Mm. So a guy comes along and says, what are you doing, son? He says, throwing starfish back in the water. He said, well, there's a lot of starfish out there. You think it make a difference? He said, well, it did to that starfish I just threw in. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, I can't say that we'll make a big difference in the world, but I think we will for certain people. Yeah, yeah. Just that God it. sends us to. Yeah, that's right. It's up to him who, you know, who he wants to use us to help or, or whatever. But, but the, what the devil would have us do is just try to get focused on the world, focused on ourselves, not seek God, yeah. go the other direction, and focus on the great need and in in the futility of it. And you know, oh, it's we're too not big. Good enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and look, I think God is. I think God will invite us to larger things, bigger things, uh, if we can do be faithful to little things. Right. I think the scriptures say that. I've seen it. You know, we. Our mantra is start small, go deep, pray big. Hmm. And we've seen that. We see that's how it works because it's kind of like Gideon's army. I mean, he had a lot of people until God started filtering them out. And they were down to 300 now, hmm. facing 100,000 people, 120,000, 300. Hmm. And they could have matched up with about 50 or 60,000, but he whittled them down to 300. And um, so don't be afraid of being whittled down because those 300 were desperately dependent on him. And they didn't even have to do anything. That's right. Yeah, God brought the battle on between the people. Well, and I think, Rocky, there's probably some people listening out there that are being formed for their calling, like you were. Yeah. And sometimes it's not pleasant. Sometimes never. it's hard. <laughs> it's never pleasant. <laughs> and and the, t the the other thing is, I, wouldn't you want to encourage them not to give up, not to turn back? Because that's what the devil would love them to just say, give up yeah. and just turn back to the world or just turn turn back in desperation, whatever. Yeah. I think there are two tests going on. I think there's the test of the devil, and I think there's a test of the God of God. Yeah. 
I think that uh, I think he is a heavenly coach, and I think he's always compelling us to to stretch, to go further, uh, try harder, to be more dependent on him. We're in formation. He's preparing us for something ahead, and that's what Fred was talking about. Yeah, being prepared for the the call. Yeah, and uh, I do believe that God. Calls us, prepares us, equips us, and he activates us. And I think, I think all of that's in his realm. Yeah. And I think that we'll play a noble part. I don't know what it'd be. Sometimes we don't know what it is. It might be obscure, totally obscure. Are you okay with that? Because if you're not okay with that, then it's going to be about you. Mm. But if, it's, if you're okay with being obscure but faithful, mm. then God is delighted in that person. And that's all that matters. Yeah, and and even in the midst of fire and all that, it can still be joyful, because if you abide in Christ, you'll bear fruit. He'll bear fruit through you. Yeah, and the first fruits he does is love, joy, peace. Mm -hmm. So you can have all that even in the midst of your formation, even in the midst of things being unclear, not even sure what your calling is. Yeah, you just know you have one, and uh, but it's okay. Just keep trusting him. You know, we were talking about this also, Brian. That is that we were you were thinking about yourself and mine. And that is in our diff most difficult times, what happens, we found found our refuge in our home. Yeah. And our children and our and our wives and our marriage just really was it grew and and intimacy within our family grew. Yeah. And 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 I love that picture because what happens is taking out counterfeits. Yeah. It's taking out of our lives those things that we thought were significant, but we find that the very things that we thought were significant are now putting so much pressure on us, it's pressing us back in to God yeah, and to our family. yeah, And we find the great blessing there. And then from that intimate place with him and them, then we grow outward. It's just a beautiful way that God uh, works in our life. That I love the fact that he's always teaching me about the priorities he wants me to have. And sometimes it's in the fire. Mm. That I have to appreciate it. That's right. Yeah, I told you that uh, in the middle of my sifting period, getting me ready for ministry calling, yeah. um, he gave us a late in life daughter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this chubby cheek little girl, Meredith, that yeah. uh, was just such a joy in the midst of some really difficult times when we were being decimated financially and lots of struggles, lots of different things going on. And uh, she just continued to bring me joy in my heart and help me keep going forward yeah. and all that. So that was a gift, gift from God. Yeah. And also when I moved over, moved my family over here, you remember I had, I was still trying to sell my house mm -hmm. back in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. And, and I would, we thought that house was the house we're going to live in our whole life. Mm -hmm. And I had to stay in that empty house while my family was over here. And I just, I just realized it wasn't the house. Mm -hmm. It was the people. Right. That was a good lesson. Wasn't <laughs> my it? home was in Arkansas because that's where my family yeah, was, yeah. you know. And uh, another thing God just had to show me, oh, you yeah. know. So uh, He's so gracious to us, and He is a good coach, as, as you said. If we just are coachable, right? <laughs> if we'll surrender to Him, and um, I think that again, that's the call. It's called to Him, but we have to surrender the things that get in the way. Mm -hmm. And when we begin to do that, then we transform. That's right. We start changing. That's right. All right. Well, time's up, Rocky, but thank you. Good discussion. Uh, 
these are the kind of things that we banner around here at the Influencer Global Office, <laughs> talking about life. And uh-huh. uh, hope hope uh, somebody out there needed to hear that today, Laura. We're just going to pray that uh, God will help you as, as you try to figure out his call in your life out there. This has been the Influencers Network podcast, and uh, you can listen to more of our podcasts if you're interested on our website, uh, influencers.org. Uh, you can also listen to them wherever you stream your podcasts. And uh, anyway, you can also keep uh, updated on different things going on in the ministry. We try to post uh, blogs and announcements and devotionals, anything to help you uh, just stay close to Christ and help you on your journey to to find your calling. So anyway, my name is Brian Craig. I'm executive director for Influences Global Ministries, and I'm going to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.